Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Uh, my name is Ron. I'm the lead pastor here at Vital Point Church, and I am so glad you are part of this today. Uh, this is an interesting day for us because we're turning the corner in our series called Jesus Said What, based on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's basically the home stretch. We have three weeks left in the series before our VPC Family Day. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about VPC Family Day. It's been in our weekly emails. You're going to see all kinds of information over the next number of weeks. I hope that you're planning to be there. We're going to have a service with baptism. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to have loads of fun afterwards with Horace Cliff being here with the blow-up and fun activities and games, blow-up castles and that type of thing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And I just want to say this about baptism. If you're not sure what baptism is, sign up and attend the online uh, course, uh, mandatory evening, June 12th, and you can learn more about baptism. And I also want to say this, because I think that there's a few of us that are allowing fear to keep us from this step of obedience. Remember this, this type of fear is not of God. God wants you to take this step of obedience and, and and to be baptized. And so we'll be with you, we'll walk with you, and we'll, we'll be right there. So if you're fearing this, please understand it's more about stepping in obedience and by faith, going into the waters of baptism, which is so important, or dedicating your babies. Now, I want to jump in to our conversation today, and uh, I want to set it up a little bit different for us, and, and I just it's more of me sharing my heart with you before I get to the content. So, on August 1st, I will be celebrating 30 years of working in church world, of being a pastor, a leader within the context of the church. It's been a long road, and I have a ton to learn, but there's two verses that have kept me centered in my leadership as a pastor of a local church. It's found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. It says this, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now, these verses have kept me as, uh, aligned to the kingdom assignment that God has given me. Right off the top, him we proclaim. I have felt very strongly over 30 years that my job and responsibility as a pastor and a follower of Jesus is to proclaim him. So it doesn't matter if I'm on a stage or if I'm on a screen or if I'm at the gym, it is uh, my responsibility and kingdom assignment is to proclaim who Jesus Christ is. Because I believe that he is critical to our lives. He's referred to often as the good news. And I believe he is actually the best news because through Christ, we can find healing in our hearts because of sin. We can mend our broken, he can mend our broken spirits. And I believe that through his death, burial, and resurrection, 
He defeated uh, the power of death and, and he crushed the grip of hell under his feet when he walked over that threshold. So for me, and even as a church, I believe it's we point people to him, proclaim him, and so on. Now, in the verses, there's a few other things that are important that I want to go to. The words, the two words are teaching and warning. That's where I'm going to start for just a moment. So these two words are interesting. See, when I look at the word teaching, I recognize that the call on my life, the kingdom assignment on my life is to teach the Bible, like this book. Like this is the truth that God has given to us. And my kingdom assignment is to teach this book, which means my uh, my accountability before God will be a little bit more than the average person because of the assignment to expand on the Bible. So at times when maybe I've maybe misinterpreted, gone too far, I'll answer for that. I will give an account of that. But I will also give an account on times when I have not stepped in when I knew that God was asking me to teach and warn on particular things. Full transparency. There are times when I have clarity of what God wants me to do, but I allow fear to get in the way because quite frankly, I want you to like me. Uh, sometimes I just allow that to get in the way. Uh, I sometimes, uh, I have this, I, this thought, well, if I were to lean that far in what you want me to do, God, it's possible we might lose people from the church or I might create tension in my friendships and, and I will give an account for that in my life. But I believe that there's an, an understanding growing within the context of Vital Point Church that I can really start being more direct with things and being more truthful on things. And, and hopefully over time, as maybe the next leg of my journey over the next 10 years, I will not allow those things to get in the way. See, when I think about the, this, when I realize about the warning and teaching, I also believe that in the context of our church is that I consistently draw on the tone of Jesus' teaching. See, the truth without grace has a harshness to it. And so the tone is absolutely critical. So as I think about leaning in and warning and teaching, there has to be the right tone, right? There has to be that that sensitivity to that idea that we're all at different stages of processing faith, where we might come into our spaces of different ideas and beliefs and, and lifestyles. And we try to create a space where we learn that even though there's an acceptance, we're moving towards our submission to King Jesus and the authority of his scriptures in our lives. Because here's the other piece. It's not just about warning and teaching. It's about moving towards maturity in Christ, that there's a resiliency in our faith, that there's a strength in our faith. And that's something that I hold dearly as I think about the responsibility that I have to lead Vital Point Church. Recently, someone uh, made an accusation of Vital Point Church that I found interesting. They said, oh yeah, Vital Point is like a starter church. You you find Jesus here and then you got to go somewhere else to be discipled and to grow in your faith. And and I should like be like a duck and let the water just roll off my back with that. But it, it kind of stung a little bit, to be honest with you, because I have a deep conviction that we are passionately outward focused to the people who are searching and exploring, but we're deliberate in our discipleship pathways to move people towards maturity, to move people towards strength. You know, one of the things that we believe that's important in the maturing process is not just simply the knowledge of the Bible, 
but it's actually living in obedience to the Bible that brings maturity. And sometimes church people who have been around for a long time really get that messed up and uh, they really get it backwards. Maturity comes from obedience to the truth of Jesus. So I say all that, and like you, like I said when I started the message was, this is a little different because today, as we turn the corner in Jesus' teachings and the last three teachings in the series that we're looking at, there is going to be some pointed moments of warning. I'll just put it out there. There's going to be some warning that we have to put out there because Jesus turns the corner and there's some very, very direct, powerful teaching that even though it was 2,000 years ago, has a direct correlation to the cultural moment in which we find ourselves. So today's topic is found, the today's topic, the title actually is Some Don't Make It, and it's going to come from Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. Let me read it for you. It says this, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the, is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, if you've ever wondered where the golden rule of life comes from, it originated from Jesus. Verse 12, where he talks about this idea of, of, of whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. That's the golden rule. Now, we're not going to focus on that. I know some of you are disappointed. You would, hopefully you'd want me to focus on that, but we're not going to. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Jesus has sat down. And he's been rapid fire teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest recorded teachings of Jesus. And he keeps dropping these truth bombs one after another, disrupting everyone's idea of life. We talked about this at the beginning of the series. It's like he's giving us a blueprint for life within the kingdom of God. Now, when we think about the broad road and the narrow road, the two gates, oftentimes people see this or read this through the lens of this is a crossroads for the listener or this is an intersection like if you you know turn left you'll take the broad road if you turn right you'll choose the narrow road it's like the two gates that are in front of us but the what from what i understand is that we actually are seeing it from the wrong perspective See, I believe what Jesus is revealing here is that humanity is standing on the broad path, looking at the narrow gate, looking at the narrow gate, weighing out its, whether it's worth the sacrifice to choose the narrow gate or not. See, the broad path is what we're all born on. Sin disrupted, disrupted God's perfect design. This broad path to destruction is something we are placed on as a result of the fallen humanity as a result of sin. So we begin to realize that the broad road and the intersection concept doesn't align with the, and is not consistent with the rest of the Bible. There's this guy named the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter, Ephesians. Look what he says. 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, I I read that. I know it's so incredibly hard. Because the truth of this helps us understand the two gates, but it makes us extremely uncomfortable. The wide path is something we are on apart from Jesus. Paul, guided by the Spirit, is writing these words to clarify and to give us a picture of what it means to be apart from Jesus. He says, the world, the prince of the power of the air, is in charge of the broad path. And even though it may seem good, the reality, it is a path of destruction. Paul calls this path the passions and desires of the of the body and of the mind. It's which we walk on, which the prince of the darkness of this of the air has control in those areas. See, Paul is revealing something that is important, and I see I see Jesus revealing this as well. The wide path of destruction is a path driven by redefining truth based on self-expression. I want to say that again. The wide path of destruction is a path driven by redefining truth based on self-expression. See, the life of destruction or ruin is a life absorbed with this one thought. We define what is good and what is righteous. A matter of fact, when you say, when we would say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it makes us shudder because no, we want to define the path back to God. We want to define what is good. We want to define what is righteous. And we look at ourselves and we think, well, I'm good enough, so therefore God must accept me. See, Jesus is referring to an and that is destruction, which is eternity apart from God. But he's also referring to a life lived out on the path that leads to ruin of the soul. He teaches other places. You can gain the whole world and lose the eternal part of who you are because we are on the broad path. Now, I've been pondering this a little bit and thinking this through and praying about this section for a long time because I know it was coming up on our, on our series. And this is what I've been thinking about. I believe what I'm seeing right now, that there is a sign above the broad road right now, on the gate above the broad road, and there's a one word on the sign, and it's the word tolerance. The worldly system is discipling people right now with a false view of tolerance, It is teaching us that all truth is equal and we must not correct or even teach that there is an ultimate truth. Tolerance sounds good at first, but when we have what we've neglected to understand, it is reshaping our society to a place where we do what is right in our own eyes. And if you know anything about human nature, when we are left on our own to define truth, all it will do is bring evil. When society creates an idea or a thought or a truth that is emerging from self, we must be aware and be careful. See, tolerance, defined by the world, is this. 
Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Yep, absolutely. But here's where it gets a little crazy. And all opinions are equally valid. Now, this is absolutely ridiculous. Because if that be true, and I love what Dr. Rob Reimer says here, if that be true, then Hitler and Mother Teresa are equally true, according to the definition of tolerance from the world. See, when we draw out tolerance according to the world, we understand that it's driven for uniformity and it's driven by fear, by fear. And it doesn't matter if, if it's a religious organization or a group that feels unfairly marginalized or a public policymakers in government or school systems. If anyone uses fear to drive their personal structure of belief, we must be aware that it is not seeking our best interest in mind and it is opposing God's design. Fear will always drive conformity to the things that are opposed to God. And it's driven by the kingdom of darkness. There's a few examples that I've been thinking about and I've observed over the last number of months. When a professional athlete chooses to not wear pride jerseys and is publicly shamed and threatened and called a religious intolerant, we must ask ourselves, who is being intolerant in this situation? When a department store hires a Satan worshiper to design trans bathing suits and we post pit and they post a pitch and this person posts a picture wearing a shirt that says Satan loves trans, we see evil rising and we must be aware. Paul writes that God will give us over to our depraved desires and the consequences will be evil. The wide path leads to destruction and ruin and is cloaked in tolerance right now and we must be warned. We as humans, if we define truth in our image, will only lead us to destruction, confusion, chaos, and evil. Now keep in mind, this warning is very important. We're not fighting against people. When I think about the reality of what is going on in this world, it is not people for who we stand against or battle against. It is the unseen realities of the darkness. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter six. Look what he says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The spiritual forces will oppose and try to destroy everything that bears the image of God. The sacredness of human life is what the enemy will want to destroy. It's why we find our, in these cultural gender confusion right now. The battle is not against human beings confused with the gender belief system. It is a battle against the darkness that loves to create confusion and chaos and attacking the image of God created in human beings as man and woman. The broad road is easy because it looks good, but the reality is it, it leads to a life of destruction. Now, we need to press on and we need to move forward on this because I want to get to the other part of this that I believe is so beautiful. Jesus says this in verse 14, for the gate is narrow 
and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus never hides the hard stuff. He gives people the reality check, and he makes it so clear. He says, some will not find this narrow path. Now, there's obviously debate on this one as well. Is, is Jesus referring to eternal life here, the new heaven and the new earth? And like the path to ruin and destruction, yes, there is an element of the eternal aspect of this, but I believe, <coughs> but I believe that Jesus is actually talking about the narrow li- the narrow road and path and gate to life as being now. This is beautiful. If you are living within the ethic from beyond, which is found in the Sermon on the Mount, then what you're doing is you're learning what does it mean to live and work and create momentum within the reality of the kingdom blueprint. This is why he says the word way and the word life. The word way is, and he refers to it as being hard, is a manner of life or action. So that's the patterns, the disciplines of a disciple that are not easy. It's that consistent effort in the same direction of faith and obedience in that direction. And then he refers to the word life, which is the principle of life in spirit and soul. It's the inner reality of who we are and the deeper part of the uniqueness of a human being where we experience life. Now, there's one thing that I notice about human beings, and maybe you notice it as well. We're all seeking our best life. Have you heard this phrase? Oh, they're just living their best life. I mean, I want that. You want that. We all want this, right? It'd be ridiculous to say, yeah, I'm just interested in, you know, sitting on the couch all my life and making nothing of my life. That's ridiculous. But here's the thing. Best life, according to Jesus' teaching, is a radical commitment to his ways and he is the gate to life, and he is the life. So the best life is not the external realities of comfort and convenience. Life, according to Jesus, is a full surrender of setting aside obedience in the path of the things of God rather than the things of this world. So there's a there's a singularity of focus on the person of Jesus in the narrow path, And the broad path is living from a place of self. Now, let me unpack this just a little bit because some of us are like, "Woo, this is heavy stuff. It is possible to have your eternity secure in Christ and miss the life he's designed for us. It's very possible. It's possible by faith that you've, you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You, you put your faith in, in Him, right? And you recognize that He took care of the sin issue. He conquered death. He rose from the dead. You, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But where you miss out is, is the journey of learning to trust His ways on the narrow path. This is very difficult for some of us. We like to be secure in that relationship with Jesus to take care of the eternity peace, but we never really learn what does it mean to live in trusting in his ways on that path. And on that path, it means I prioritize everything in my life around the person of Jesus Christ. So I, I learn about him. I read about his life in the Bible. I get together with other people and discuss the words of the Bible and who Jesus is. And in doing so, you begin to learn to discern the voice of Jesus and you learn the obedience and the trust muscle. And over time, your life is captured by Jesus Christ. There's a 
The Apostle Paul writes this book, uh, this letter called Galatians, in Galatians 2.20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like, think about this. God, the Son, comes to earth for us. Like, this is what I love about the Christian faith. It's not about us trying to get back to him. He came to us right? And then he gives his life on the cross for us. He dies for us. He, he rises from the dead for us. And the narrow path, the narrow road is fastening our lives to him, anchoring our lives in Christ, submitting to the Holy Spirit's forming work in our lives. And this is so amazing. As that happens, you begin to learn what the narrow road looks like and you begin to experience the incredible life on that path. So out of that, there's a few things. You experience life and life to the full. John 10, 10, it says, I have come to that you might have life in the full. Jesus said that. Uh, there's enlightenment on this path because he is the light of life. There's satisfaction. Roman, uh, John 10, 9, go in and out of fine pastures. There's victory. Romans 6, 6 to 14 says, no longer slaves to sin. There's peace and joy. Romans 5, 1 to 11, peace with God and the rejoicing in the hope of Jesus refreshing john 4 13 whoever drinks from this fountain will never thirst again living our best life is not searching for the things on the broad path that we think will bring us happiness and joy it's pursuing and living for jesus on the narrow path and learning what does it mean to live into the joy and the life that he gives to us jesus says so few find it. And here's the reason why. This is the reason why. The reason why so few find it is because the broad path, the wide road, is always trying to pull us away from the things of God. It's just a reality. Always trying to pull us away. The broad road is taunting us, right? You don't need to spend time with Jesus. Just spend all the time watching your show on TV. You don't need to organize your money to honor God. Think about what you can do with all that extra money. You don't need to hold back on your sexual desires. Just do it. God is trying to keep you from expressing your true self, and he's a killjoy. Just throw in the towel on your marriage, right? You, she's not, he's not making you happy anymore. Someone else will make you happy. You don't need to forgive your family member that has wronged you and hurt you. Bitterness and anger feels so good, and it doesn't take much work. The narrow path is a path of obedient sacrifice that leads to life. And what we discover is that Jesus is the one who gives us life on the narrow path when our lives are consumed with him. I love this section that Jesus gives us, as difficult as it is, because I imagine Jesus sitting with a calmness in his voice and a tone that makes people feel the urgency to discover the narrow path. If you've watched The Chosen, I kind of hear that actor uh, playing playing the character of Jesus. I sometimes hear his voice. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it 
by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. See, when we look at this and we turn the corner on the Sermon on the Mount series and the series called Jesus Said What?, it is forcing us now to look in the mirror of our lives and ask this question. Do I look more like the world or do I see Jesus being formed in me? Do I see the patterns of the world in my life? Do I see a consumer mentality? Am I, and am I idolizing comfort? Am I reflecting the attitudes of the world? Am I self-defining my life, my truth, my way, my rights, to gain, get, and have? Or am I on the narrow path looking more like Jesus, the character and the quality of Jesus being formed in us where there is less anxiety, where joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction begins to grow? Jesus says, few will find it. Few will discover it. Because in order to find it, you recognize it means a sacrifice and a sacrifice to the place where it's possible that we will look foolish to the world and to those around us because we're living our lives in willful submission to the person of Jesus Christ who is the narrow path. The narrow path is a, is a place of living from sacrifice, living from the richness of life where I place all of my life before Jesus, every bit of whom I am, my passions, my desires, my dreams, my relationships, my work, my, my family, everything lives in submission to him. Before you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you must count the cost and consider the cost of what it means. It cost him his life in order for us to find freedom and to find the narrow road. It costs us too to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. And maybe each day it comes in a simple prayer that says this, as your feet hit the floor every morning, or as you stand up and you take a deep breath, you say, Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. For this is the way of life in God's kingdom. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.